previously on Journey Through Grill Island. There is a point where Vanderpile is fighting with the crowd and Pierce goes down and tries to break it up and someone in the crowd shouts No more oatmeal for you! The crowd starts chanting no more oatmeal. I need to know what this means. This has actually bothered me for so long. No more oatmeal for you! Hey everybody and welcome to episode 3 of Journey Through Grill Island. I'm your host Sig and joining me is... Emma G. Sarah Flan. Barry. And that's the smoothest we've ever done that. Can I do mine again? No. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, we're going to have to apologise if any of us are quite raspy or our voice breaks like a prepubescent teenage boy. Uh, last weekend we were all away at uh, WXW 16 Carrot. Which I suppose is like Europe's version of Battle of Los Angeles. It's a three-day tournament that takes place in Oberhausen. And also if we're quite short-tempered with each other, that is also why. Because we had four days on the trot of each other's company. So today's episode, our third episode, is covering PWG's fourth show. And I don't like that we're now out of sync. Are You Adequately Prepared to Rock? Which took place in the Westside Jewish Community Centre on the 4th of... October 2003. And what a bit of a joke that was. It was taking place in a Jewish community centre. With Mexican ring ropes. Mexican ring ropes and lots of Mexicans Mexican in the crowd. Bread. Mexicans everywhere. Can I ask a stupid question? What are Mexican ring ropes and how did you know that's what they were using? The colours. It was green, white and red. Oh, okay. I thought there was a particular <laughs> texture you noticed. They go to the left instead of the right. <laughs> <laughs> One notable difference for this show is that Excalibur, Disco Machine and Super Dragon, Team Cheesemo, are all back on commentary. It's great, but the mixing left a lot to be desired, I suppose, if you had any interest in the actual audio content of the show. Because in the first segment in particular, I had no idea what was happening. I didn't particularly mind. I particularly enjoyed the, the Sammy Davis Jr. references that were being made. So the show opens with Paul T coming out... To give some <laughs> statement to the crowds that you couldn't hear because Excalibur and Disco are talking all over him doing their Sammy Davis Jr. The token Asian of PWG. Yeah. They then went into deep discussion about whether like he was Chinese or Japanese, but it didn't matter. He was discount Asian anyway, and he bought his jacket in Sapporo in Japan. They went into incredible detail analysing Paul T and his Asianness before we even started the show. I just wrote in my notes, there is too much racism to comprehend. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying hero, borsacks, all like proper South Park little jokes. Didn't they also advise you very helpfully that you can tell what race he is because of the direction of his eyes? Was that also specified at one point? Yeah. Um, this was a lot in the first 120 seconds of the show. Whatever Paul T is saying prompts Adam Pierce with Mr. Vanderpile to come out. Holding... On a pillow, <laughs> a jar of oats. Hey! <laughs> and we have a little update for you on what that was all about. The mystery of the oats. I got a message from No Noggin, who informed me that oats and oatmeal was a thing that Pierce was trying to get over with Edward Vanderpile as sort of a gimmick. 
that he would post on message boards on I think on SoCal Uncensored the message boards he would always be posting about oatmeal and um, trying to get the phrase no more oatmeal for you and <laughs> Vanderpoff has all the oatmeal and um, yeah it didn't really seem to work but Vanderpoff comes out with the, the the jar of oatmeal and he's throwing them at the crowd <laughs> like confetti <laughs> And what was Adam Pierce's username on the message board again? It was Old School Memphis. Of course. Of course, of course it is. Of course. Of course. That's what he embodies. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Then Vanderpile then got on the mic and started doing some really weird accent. Just this like real generic southern gentleman voice. It's like he's trying to do a dusty but real bad at it. Like you just gotta do a dusty impression. Which is very strange because most people are very good at their dusty impressions. And it, yeah, it did appear to be a racist promo, but we couldn't tell how racist because of the commentary. Which was as racist. racist. And se- oh, incredibly sexist at this yes. point. Talking about jo- uh, Joey Ryan's win at the last show and saying it was controversial as controversial as letting women vote, which which Disco Machine says, first you let them vote, then you let them drive. I think he says, uh, it's not something you want to do, but you have to let them. <laughs> fair. Well, very yeah. fair. Now look at us for podcasting. <laughs> God. Uh, we Hate Midgets made a return. Of course. Oh, of course yeah. That classic PWG line. <laughs> There's something that kept getting brought up here as well was the first instance of checks bouncing. Yes. Um, and that it never happens in wrestling. My God, the last time it happened was in 1976 <laughs> down in Georgia. And Adam Pierce, what did he need to get? He needed to get facial reconstruction surgery after the last show. Yeah. What was that about? <laughs> because surgery. the check bounced back so hard that yeah. it hit oh. his face. Oh, there we go. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I love when Zig's hearing all these for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> he watched the B boy. <laughs> <laughs> Prompted by the midget chance, Taro comes out and the crowd went absolutely ballistic for Taro. (laughs) Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, Taro. Those are the three most popular men on this show. The boys. Pierce then attacks Taro, uh, prompting the technical lizard Lizard. to make the save. (laughs) Then commentary buries Joey, which is great, um, that he's dressed for war. He's just wearing shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that he sleeps on a bed made of women. <laughs> and Joey Ryan found as the villain. Yes, and they're not sure whether the women are dead or alive. This is very ahead of its time in commentary, isn't it? It just shows <laughs> we've lost plan here. Woo! <laughs> like, you know when they say, turn your gimmick up to 11, yeah. you'll become yeah. a star? Well, Joey Ryan did that. There you go. That'll work. Now he has a penis party. <laughs> sure does. He has a penis party later on in the show, too. <laughs> so after that inscrutable opening segment, we had our first match. A little Cholo, Top Gun Talwar, and Zokre against Taro, Phoenix Star, and the most confusing man, Mr. <laughs> Excitement. Oh, yeah. Who is now a babyface again and happy to clap along? He came out with matching shorts with them and he was running down all these midgets on the last show that he is now tagging with. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he just wants to fit in. He's not really like Tara's a big guy. I mean, big ladders for, for a big, big guy. For a big guy. Very true. Yeah. And um, Top Gun's huge. Oh, massive, yeah. massive, massive. That pose down. According to Excalibur, the ultimate human specimen, I believe he yeah. called him. Speaking of Top Gun, when he came out, they botched his music. Yeah. Was he angry or was he being no, fired up? No, he was up? fired up. He was fired up. I've never seen him. Well, I've 
never seen anyone so fired up. Or just go machine said juiced up, which also <laughs> may be the case. He was Mr. Excitement. The real Mr. Excitement. Yeah. I was not aware of this going into it. This is apparently the arm drag drinking game match. I was not aware of this. I, I was aware of this segment. I was not aware it was on this show. Did you? anyone else make note of the rules? Have you guys have you not heard of this before? I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah, it was a most famous clip. Yeah, um, kind of somewhat well known. The commentary. And it's this much. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, so, yeah, should I go into it? So basically, um, I don't know if this, again, this could be a joke coming from somewhere else or just because these commentators have seen a lot of Lucha guys or fake Lucha guys in the past. But they basically made these rules that every time someone does an arm drag, you do a shot. If they do a head scissors, you do two shots. And if they do a bypass, you drink half the bottle. And they leaned into that quite a lot as the match uh, rolled on. It was borderline unlistenable. Jeezy <laughs> yeah. Creasy, it got insane. <laughs> he must have said Jeezy Creasy four times over the course of the show. A phrase I've never heard before in my life. And it's not like he's opposed to swearing. <laughs> I enjoyed it very much. I also enjoyed the fact that Kenny Loggins was backstage watching on a monitor because, of course. of course, he could not be out in the crowd. The paparazzi would be coming for him. <laughs> and they also came for, you know, Disco Machine and Scott on their way to do the commentary. 20 of them. They had to get inside <laughs> real quick. Loved it. My favourite point of the match was Ataro, Top Gun Tower, pose down. Oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel like that was a big moment in California wrestling history. Feel the seismic shift when they squared off, you know, the big boys. I enjoyed Talwar's spear, and of course Goldberg was rolling over in his grave after <laughs> yeah. that one. I did like the finish for what Taro tried to do, but perhaps not his execution. He went for the slowest like, dragon rana I've ever seen. He did the first somersault great, landed on Zokra's shoulder, and then did the slowest flip where Zokra just lands directly on his head. And rolls him up for the win. It was alright. It was alright, actually. It was very indie kind of fake lucha, but it was alright. Um, and actually, that, that's when the commentary really got bad, because Cholo and Phoenix, I thought, were doing some alright kind of stuff. But the commentators were going ballistic, because they were doing head scissors and arm, arm drags. Arm drag. So Every move was an arm every, drag. Every move was an arm drag. So I guess they were vindicated for making, the fun, making fun of it, I guess, because there was 10 in quick succession. But yeah. Second match is Disco Machine and Excalibur against Quicksilver and Chris Bosch. It's always good to see... Disco and Excalibur trying to commentate their own match and what way they try to excuse this. Um, they commentated whilst they were wrestling. Yeah, yeah that was this, this month's one. Yeah. Or that Excalibur was seven seconds in the future so <laughs> <laughs> we could tell what was going to happen. Oh, I love Disco's entrance and I will love it every week. I love the Johnny Inn's uh, apprehension and holding the disco ball for him. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed the guy dancing in the front row to their entrance as well. Oh, they were, he, was get, he was getting really into it. And I'm like, yeah, good man yourself now. I like that they gave their entrance socks, but then when the opponents came out, Excalibur made fun of them for being white boys coming out to Oogie Trice, which and, I felt attacked for, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I actually thought of you when I was Oogie Trice. But yeah, I haven't heard of anyone mention Oogie Trice in years, so that was years. Real name, no gimmicks. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Bosch was having a lot more character though in his entrance, which I was really happy for. In comparison to how we saw him on the first show, he was giving a little bit to the camera, more like the Chris Bosch that we'd later see in PWG, which I thought was really cool. Uh, as Excalibur said, Bosch, 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 as I Bosch his face in. It was one of my favourite quotes. Also, he said, I think, uh, uh, Excalibur said he's in tears as Disco was worked over by the by the opposing team. Yeah, he's so. crying like an Indian man watching someone throw a litter. <laughs> 
I thought match was alright too. It was you fine. Know. The match was good. Um, Excalibur, the finish was good. Oh yeah, like a double underhook pile driver. Yeah, killed him. Excalibur execution. Is that what he calls it? Yeah. Okay. I think so. It's like a J driller. They were very funny at this one. They were speaking in Spanish at the end because, of course, Hans speaking Spanish, Mexicans, and uh, Excalibur is s smart, and Disco is s sexy. And I was like, <laughs> yes. That's their, that's their, that's their duo. Smart, <laughs> smart, sexy, powerful, like the divas of WWE. <laughs> that's the date. They don't have women, but they have their mentality. <laughs> uh, and then Excalibur cut a heel promo and talked over himself, so I couldn't yeah. tell what he was saying. Something about unfinished business. All, all, I, all I heard was he goes to to a fan. That's the sound of me getting your eighteen dollars. Yes. <laughs> oh, the fight with the fan was good. I, I enjoyed that. I couldn't hear any of this. I couldn't make any of it out. But Disco, of course, bumped at something that the fan said because it made him laugh so much. Like this is this keeps happening. We haven't really talked about the venue yet. So it was better than the mirror room. <laughs> once again, no ring apron. How nice plant. Two plants, I think. Plants. It was definitely missing a certain someone. It was missing a presence. It was missing a certain presence, a certain doorman. <laughs> we were contacted between shows and given the identity of our strapping young at the time man. So it was Johnny Paradise, who was a local Rev Pro guy, California guy. And I think he's now based in Oregon and he runs or trains at a local school. So Johnny Paradise, if you're out there. <laughs> I would like some training. <laughs> Look forward to our Oregon Pro Wrestling podcast coming very, very soon. I don't know anywhere in Oregon. There's going to be like Battle of Newport. So our first singles match of the night is Hook Bomberry against Scorpio Sky. Why, when Hook came out, uh, why was Hook a pirate? Because <laughs> his name's Hook. I, I, I think that was because he was a shooter. Like a yeah, it's like, oh, he's, a, he's a shooter who is a pirate. Ah, shoot pirate. Chaos descended into chaos. I did, yeah. I did like Scotty being like, yeah, man, raise the roof, pump it up, get the crowd going, he's ready to go. And then he immediately starts arguing with a fan. Yeah. Straight away. And the fan had to be restrained. I liked that. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he opened the rope for yeah, him. He he's like, come on, man, come on, man. Of course, then, again, Scorpio Sky, we had. Oh, Scorpio EO. Oh, Scorpio EO. Which I always enjoy. I think we all enjoy that. Yeah, we weren't sure if we were committed to that second verse. <laughs> and I, I did like the start of this match. Excalibur actually got really serious. Yeah. I started going background and Hook Bomberry and like his previous matches and some of the places that he's been. And he's like, oh no, wait, no, no, no. Can't be doing that. I love that. Like he caught himself. He's yeah. like, oh no. I'm not a nerd. But he was saying what was interesting, so they've both been wrestling for a year and a half, so they were kind of on similar experience levels. Scorpio in particular was quite good for 18 months in, because we even said that last month he was good. But even Hook as well, as someone who prior to doing this show I hadn't heard of, he's pretty good and they they mesh quite well, because even though Scorpio's a luchador, he does that lucha, but a mix of grappling as well, and Hook obviously is is a a grappler, I thought this was a really good mesh, especially for for two young guys. Like, it seemed to me that Hook was really ahead of his time, like doing those sort of shoot takedowns and trying to pass the guard and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I, I, like, okay, they were doing it in Japan, but mm-hmm. I don't think there were many people in America like doing shoot style. 
blood sport ambition type wrestling right even you know that, that I mean watching this match it wouldn't have looked completely out of place at like Evolve or something these days you know it was it was good and I did like I did like Excalibur going a bit serious because he actually had some trivia notes like Hook uh, wrestling with Daniels and another name I didn't expect to hear Mike Modest yeah at the, was it the Iron Training School is that what they called that it, it yeah. I'd never heard of that but uh, you know he busted out the little trivia notes shades of futuristic Excalibur there a little bit it, it was nice to hear because that's why I give the pass for all of this stuff because I'm like I know deep down like Excalibur is just wealth of knowledge and if he really wanted to he could sit down and give us a straight up commentary on each match but I think he makes these shows a lot more enjoyable with the Gracie bit saying good night Gracie good night (laughs) (laughs) what's going on here and then like starts beating his child his fictional child Gracie was that a reference to something that I didn't get Uh, I thought it was just they were pretending they were watching his kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excalibur did a whole shtick that there was a kid there called Gracie who would not go to bed. Uh, Gracie was Excalibur's daughter in this scenario, uh, where Excalibur threatened to beat Gracie just like he beat her mother. <laughs> Do you like seeing Mama sad? <laughs> Even Disco isn't laughing at this. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it stemmed from him at a near fall saying good night Gracie and then it was a kick out and then it became Gracie wouldn't go to bed and then he took it and ran from there which I don't know where the phrase good night Gracie came from to begin with there were a lot of old school American TV references that were completely yeah. over my head passed me by yeah I did like how they started singing uh, Triple H's music in here it's all about yeah. the yeah. game and how you play it there's also a lot about uh, Scorpio Sky's finisher and what it actually was, the Argo Bargo. Scalper seemed to think it was three separate moves. <laughs> well. Oh, we bargled the shit out of him. His Argo has been. Never been bargled. Well, his Argo has been bargled like ever before. Um, there was a hesitation drop kick in there as well, Free of Land. Yeah, I like that. Where, where is that on the scale? I don't know. It was a bit of a sliding one, it wasn't? Yeah, I'd say it's probably like a four. Because hesitation is a big part of it, and that that's really what you know the weight of it. That's about sixty five percent of the overall vote. So, sorry to say, it's on the lower end of the Chris Saban scale. I like the breakdown though. I like getting a little peek behind the curtain and seeing how it, how it's worked out. And so the finish was Scorpio Sky using the acclaimed Argo Bargo to pick up the win. Our fourth match is B Boy and Super Dragon against the debuting Briscoe Brothers. Actual children. Yes, the Briscoes. So young. And they were in awful gear. Oh, look like. Remember when Dean tried to go for that kind of. Mr. Wrestling? Yeah. Yeah. um, And you couldn't tell them apart except for their knee pads. One had red, one had black. Not that I liked the gear, but because it always reminded me of like the Briscoes in Mm. early Ring of Honor, it was cool to see them in that gear. Like that's the video you'd always, when they faced each other and Mm. all that, that was the gear. It's like the black singlet with the red flames on the legs. I think I'm kind of lucky now that I watched so much Ring of Honor when I was younger that I could tell them apart now. But I think if I was watching that for the first time, I would be struggling. 2003, would they have had... They'd have a decent whack of notoriety by 2003, would they? This was a big deal, I think, because look at who they're against. To bring over yeah, the, yeah. two of the, the... Like, one of the more notable tag teams from putting against Super Dragon and B-Boy. Like, why are Super Dragon and B-Boy a tag team? Because they're like the two, probably the best from the West against the Briscoes. 
And that's kind of how I viewed this match. It was like a big deal for all the people involved. Not that Excalibur Disco took it that seriously as the first five minutes were golf commentary. Because Tiger Woods... (laughs) 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 Tiger Woods was (laughs) playing through the community (laughs) centre. I this is funny. I I don't remember the commentary. No, no, because I was just watching Super, Super Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, fair, and fair. that's strange because I do love the commentary. But oh, when Super Dragon comes on, there's no one else I can see. Like they did this bit where for some reason Tiger Woods was playing through the community center. <laughs> do you remember? What it was because B Boy and Mark were grappling early on, and so the crowd were doing the respectful golf clap thing, and so Tiger was like, <laughs> Tiger Woods steps up to the. Pot here, and then when they did the, the old standoff after the grapple, uh, he goes and Tiger sinks the pot as everyone did a little clap. So, uh, yeah, a little set up and a little yeah, punchline and everything, that's you know. Great. Excalibur trying out his tight five on commentary on this wrestling DVD. But then, when Excalibur alludes to one of the competitors being injured, he said, But it's been rehabilitated now, like John Daly, who also is a golfer, so he went back into <laughs> when you said last time about. Super Dragon treating his mask ties like hair. Now I can't stop noticing it. The way he keeps kind of patting it at the back to see that it's still there. (laughs) He smooths it back with the palm of his hands. Yes. It's like an extension of himself. What I like is that this is our first tag match, is it, with Dragon? And he's a great tag team wrestler because I thought his hot tag in this match was fantastic. Him and B-Boy were amazing. Like the Briscoes are the Briscoes and they've have, I suppose, the benefit of being brothers on their side. But B-Boy and Super Dragon, they worked so well together. This was an incredible match. Super Dragon doing the beautiful dropkick senton. Yeah. That was, like, just so smooth and perfectly well done. What a, what a man. They also alluded to uh, Super Dragon docking Rick Knox's pay for messing <laughs> up the count. I'm real surprised at how much they lean in to them being the owners. Yeah. Especially now, because... Super Dragon doesn't like that at all. Like he, he's shrouded in mystery about owning PWG, even though it's quite clear he still does. It's really weird how open they were about it at the start. What about Excalibur being the mind taker? Did you get that he reference? Was the mind taker. No one. Oh, did. okay. I didn't think anyone else would. It was funny. No, was it? it's from Harvey Birdman. It's an Adult Swim show, and it was actually a very good impression. So I'll give Excalibur that. There was a falcon arrow in this match, and it wasn't the finish. Does it have to be? Yeah. No one kicks out of a falcon no, arrow. That's a bit he'll get in, in time. In due time, he'll, he'll, he'll get it. Bless his soul, he doesn't know what we're talking about. Was this the first call of the violence party? Yes, I suppose. I don't remember it being said on the first show. So there we go. A little bit of history. And the Shining Wizard off Super Dragons. The finish? Yeah. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah. Um, Dragon hits a Psycho Driver to Abrisco. Um <laughs> And while he's about to pin him, B-Boy yeah, bounces off his back and yeah. hits a Shining Wizard to B-Brisco. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And they pick up the win. Good Deserved. Thanks. Sorry, I actually do have a question, just to yeah. <laughs> go back to the very beginning. Why did they come out to B-Boy's music? I felt very uncomfortable seeing Super Dragon come out I to the Tiger. I also didn't like that. And they played it after the finish as well. Yeah, actually. and he got the pin. He doesn't he, like his song is better than B-Boy's song. Yeah. He needs to... But he didn't do any of that horn shit. He did. Yes, he did. 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 He
deserved. Uh, it was filthy. It was disgusting. It wasn't that filthy. We didn't actually, like, well, we kind of did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you never answered my question. What? Where did his willy come from? <laughs> did he have like a little fly or did he no, flop it over it the waistband? Was, it was like, yeah, waistband. Nice. Of course it was. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I saw it though, but I knew it was there. Yep. You know? I hope so. Yeah. Look, it's a dream. For many. <laughs> anyway, next up we had Vito Tomaselli against Pinoy Boy. So Pinoy Boy is TJ Perkins, who. Johnny and called TJ Perkins when he was announcing the match, but he had a graphic and the commentary said Pinoy Boy, so I'm not sure what the uh, the confusion was there, but it was a young TJ Perkins. He looked ridiculous. How would you describe his gear? I don't know how to describe it. He was very proud of his heritage. Three quarter length leggings. <laughs> That's the word. They were leggings, yeah. Because I was going to say tights, because no, no. you might think they're wrist tights. No, they were they leggings. Were capri pants. <laughs> Showing off his ankles. Pedal pushes. Bad hair. He came out to AFI. He somehow looked older than I feel like he does now. He did. And he had to have been mid-teens, 16, 17? Oh, 2003. I think he would have been 19. Oh, okay. He was just recently, they mentioned that he was just down in Mexico just before he he was on this show. Um, And I think you could tell. I think TJ Perkins was so good at an early age. He's so smooth. Probably one of the most well-traveled on the show. I always feel like Pinoy Boy, like he is technically good, but he's still never someone you think of. Where you're like, oh, who's a great wrestler? Who yeah. do you really want to watch? It's never TJP. I think that's down to him being the right place at the wrong time, if you get me. Like, he's never been in companies where there's going to be other people for him to really shine and be against or use in a certain manner. He, when he was in PWG, even later years, in 2008, 2009... Like, that was when the big names really started coming into PWG. But he was never in that position. And then we left and he went to Florida to try and make it in WWE, to try and make it in, in FCW. So then he missed PWG even progressing to that next level and he wasn't part of it. I just feel like he doesn't have any personality. But... Well, that too. <laughs> and, of course, there's that. Enjoyed the commentary, though. 15 years ago constantly talking about his bad attitude which I'm assuming was a character thing because he was I guess the heel but it was pretty funny nonetheless Bar his pluckiness which he showed in this match which Excalibur said he had to have picked up in Mexico because it couldn't be legal here <laughs> he also said that um, he knows how to steal now because he was in Mexico That's something he also picked up when he was there some words on Vito Tomaselli um, very disappointed that this wasn't a uh, big veto. <laughs> I thought it was going to be him. And it wasn't. He did come out to square dance Eminem though, which I thought was a weird, <laughs> really weird. Yeah, he's um, also theme. a white guy with dreads. Yeah. To put this on after the previous match, I think was a mistake. Yeah. It was a lot to follow because the match before had been so good. So for the finish, Vito goes for a victory roll. But Pinoy Boy reverses it to which Excalibur and Disco Machine are apoplectic <laughs> you cannot reverse a victory roll that is why it is called a victory roll completely <laughs> shitting all over Pinoy Boy's win yeah really weird ending but the match wasn't much no it was okay, didn't like yeah, it not, not much to talk about following that we had the X Foundation of Scott Lost and Billy Kim against the returning Ballard Brothers <laughs> <laughs> 
Did you know that the X in explanation stands for excitable? I did not know that. Wow. That's from Excalibur's mouth. <laughs> so, who knows? Bucky Billy Kim looked very different from the first show. Which they pointed out yeah. that he was jacked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he might have been replaced. I did not recognise him. Was it a new Billy Kim? Is this a truther type thing? Well, this Billy Kim like, made an impact. Yeah. What, was that his piano playing? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. I, I, I love it. As part of their entrance, the Ballards got up on the stage where there was a piano. And everyone was chanting, oh, play the piano, play the piano. Not thinking they could. They then sat down and played a lovely little tune. Uh, tubular Bells, Exorcist. Not to be undone. <laughs> X Foundation then run to the second piano <laughs> in the room. <laughs> a different piano, yeah. Uh, down by the stage. And Billy Kim sort of mashed his <laughs> hand against it rhythmically. It got a tune out of it, it though. The crowd went wild as well. It was like he got two lumps of ham and he was just bashing <laughs> the piano with it. But it made some beautiful music. And then the Ballards attacked uh, X-Foundation who reversed it, beat them up outside for a bit and dragged their face along the keyboards, uh, tickling the ivory. <laughs> yes, yes. I, um, I liked that the commentary pointed out Paul T has not come back. I mean, yes, we didn't hear what he said in the opening, but... Shouldn't he be coming out between matches and setting things up? No, apparently not. <laughs> he was busy. No, there was really nothing to this match. I think the banners are very dry. They're so boring. You know who they remind me of? They like a an early version of the Cutlers, which I don't think Z, I don't think yeah. you would know. They come along later and they're, they're pretty good, but they're also kind of dry. But when they have the right opponents, they're great. But the Ballard's like, they're functional. But I don't like them. Uh, yeah. And I couldn't believe they won this one either, which I was kind of surprised by. What did you think of that, Flan? Do you want me to read out my notes? Yeah. Am I yes, allowed yes. on this yeah. podcast? Of course. I have fucking bullshit, fuck off, <laughs> disgraceful. Because here's my thing on this, right? You have the X Foundation as a unit. You have Joey Ryan, Scott Lost, and the Funky Billy Kim. And you know, they're a great unit. You want to be young. You, you know, they're going to be the face of your company. And then, okay, Joey's going off, being his technical lizard self, doing great <laughs> things. And what are these two doing? They lose the first rounds of badass mother. Fucking Billy Kim doesn't even get on the cars. And then they lose the fucking Ballard Brothers. Push this team. Scott lost shown again in this match. He is so good. And Funky Billy Kim was his funky self showing a bit of something. And they lose the fucking Ballard Brothers. Oh no. No. I'm done with this company. I'm finished with the podcast. <laughs> Retroactively cancelled PWG. <laughs> That's why we love Flan, though. She's just as worked up watching the show from 2003. <laughs> oh, I'm so annoyed. But uh, I did enjoy the light before this disgraceful finish. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Jabberjaw. <laughs> yeah, yes. Jabberjaw got a load of shout-outs for some reason. Because so Rick Knox looks like Jabberjaw, who's a like, detective shark. Did you not watch Jabberjaw? Yeah. I've never heard of this thing ever. I think you'd recognise him to see him. Yeah. Okay. We'll looks like Rick Knox. <laughs> Oh, he was a big match, of course, yeah. He goes around yeah. solving crimes. So, yeah, Ballards are bad and boring. Rick Knox looks like a cartoon shark. <laughs> and next. More X Foundation in the next match, as we have Joey Ryan facing off with Adam Pearce to determine the new number one contender for the PWG world title. Is that what it was for? I didn't, didn't twig that didn't either. I also that. didn't get that. This is probably explained in that opening segment with... with Three different audio channels and things go happening at all times. Because we're all the Jewish women now. 
But according to our good friend Excalibur, they're all Mexican. So that means they can't be Jewish. So Vanderpaul came out with his little whiteboard like he has at each show. This one was looking for Jewish women. Is the joke ever going to get more sophisticated than where are the blank women at? <laughs> no. Okay. I hope not. I enjoy it very much. It's, it's a pretty small board. <laughs> Freebird starts to play for Adam Pearce, but Vanderpile decides, no, he's going to sing Adam Pearce to the ring. So he sings <laughs> Rainbow Connection. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? <laughs> I sing so badly. <laughs> but it also ties back in nicely to the Kelly Loggins yeah. reference from earlier. <laughs> I bet he appreciated that. The one thing I will say about the commentary here is that like over the past three shows, I've sort of gotten into this feud, and they did take me out of the match. Yeah. Yeah. Their their priority was talking about how Joey Ryan's a deviant, basically. Well, if because the commentary was optional, it's kind of like you know a director's commentary where you go back after you've watched it. Right. I think maybe that was maybe how it was supposed to be watched. I remember being surprised once I first watched PWG in like 2010, and then I bought an old DVD, and I thought there was no commentary on it because like, I think it was the yeah. 07 Bola. I watched the first this, and I I copped on for the second one, but I watched the first show. I was like, oh, is there no commentary? This is half the fun. But I didn't realize that up to a certain point they were default off and then after a certain point they were default on you can still turn them off i think on their car up to today but i don't know who would do that the match itself was like all right, all right. um it was wasn't a patch on the the super dragon match or even the kazarian match they tried to do the what's now become the joey ryan formula in pwg where he's the young guy fighting against the odds but adam pierce just does nothing for me no yeah even with his heel stick it's just so lame that you don't really get into it. His whole thing of just walking to the ring and getting in every fan's face saying, you shut the fuck up, you loser. You know, it's like, ugh, it's, he's, he's not much. Yeah, the start was a mess. I think Pierce messed up a few times. Joey Ryan took some crazy bumps in this match and really, what for? Like, what was the point in taking them? Yeah, Pierce hit him with like a reverse suplex really early on and he landed like right on his head outside on the floor. I think they were, I think as, as Ziggs said, they were going for that, oh, he's getting the shit kicked out of him, he's fighting against this bigger, grizzled, southern-style wrestler, and I think they were going for that fight, but it just didn't click the way it, you know, the, the last couple did. The sexy trio then interrupt this match, the sexy trio being Team Cheesemo. They beat up Joey Ryan and leave him there for Pierce to pin him. But oh, no, 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 Pierce is a good, solid old heel. He wants to finish his way, and I can't remember the He's a pile driver, wasn't it? A regular, yeah, a regular of course pile it was. <laughs> what else would what Adam Pearce do? He's so, as a finisher? He's so boring. Yeah. He I used is. To forget. So Adam Pearce picks up the win through nefarious means and will face the winner of our main event, which features the future, or the time splitter, Frankie Kazarian, <laughs> PWG champion, against NWA champion, AJ Styles, and champion of our hearts, Christopher Daniels. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Whoa. I liked um, AJ coming out to his TNA music here. Like, yeah. You are, you are. I am, I am. That's his best entrance music. Yeah, I agree. Rest in peace, Zylot themes. I thought Kazarian looks like a champ coming out. He looks bigger. He was oilier. <laughs> um, he had a little bandana on. So he hit that stupid haircut. And really chunky ass. <laughs> <laughs> Same with AJ Styles. Two very big. Oh, AJ Styles. He's AJ's he's, always had a stacked. Yeah. He's got a wagon. But because he was in the white. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed he didn't have the belts. The NWA 
belt. And it's nice because it's TNA before it kind of got like sullied as well. Because they're mentioning it on commentary and stuff like that, but it's not. Whereas I'm sure when we get to say the Young Bucks time in TNA, that's mentioned derisively on commentary, whereas here it wasn't. Then there was even at the end of this match, there was a little TNA chant. You know, obviously like AJ and Daniels were the big TNA guys. I think Kaz was there as well. Maybe not as much of a featured player. An interesting little time in history where it was the new hope. And that was the thing with his match. It was very much so felt like a TNA three-way match. And again, I have to say that that's not a knock against it at all because at that time, TNA three-way was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I thought that was, this was a great match. It was very, very good and very, very quick-paced, which very much enjoyed. You could tell they all have history. They, they've all wrestled. They knew each other's moves. They knew counters. They clearly worked it out beforehand. It was really well put together. One thing I noticed move-wise, Kaz did what we call these days a John Woo dropkick. And Excalibur called it a John Woo-style dropkick. I didn't realise that name went back that far in wrestling specifically. Excalibur did play this one seriously? Yeah. Except for when Daniels and AJ clashed mid-ring and he said they both got each other in the bread basket and then he spent five minutes talking about how there was bread all over the freeway because two bread trucks had crashed into each other and every strike was delivered to the bread. (laughs) Bread basket is still something he will talk about on commentary. That was Adam Cole's bread basket was always a huge, huge thing. I like that Excalibur as an owner of the company, admitted that he was not rooting for AJ Styles to win because he'd be too expensive to book monthly. (laughs) (laughs) They did lots of cool for the era stuff in this match. I thought there was a point where Daniels had Kaz in reverse DD position and then AJ did his moonsault out of the corner into the reverse DDT to the both of them. I imagine in 2003 if I saw that, probably would have passed out. It would have been the coolest thing ever. Good all-action stuff about two years before the big one in TNA that really put that uh, TNA style three-way on the map. Speaking on the three-way moves, like, I thought the finish itself was incredible. Styles and Daniels have a back and forth run on the ropes and Styles jumps up into crucifix position, goes down into a sunset flip, keeps hold of Daniels, rolls through, gets him in Styles clash position and then Kazarian comes in and hits the wave of the future. So it's like a Styles clash and wave of the future and pins Daniels. That was great. I like how in the post-match promo, AJ Styles referenced it as Kazarian outsmarting them that he wasn't better than but he outsmarted them this time and said his line you got lucky luck doesn't last long not with styles <laughs> which could have been good if he'd workshopped that a bit more I don't know maybe like luck doesn't last style does or something yeah. yeah yeah so at the end they all held hands and it was lovely yeah and then they all go and they... Bitch behind each other's back. They on each other. It was just like... Because it was a nice kind of ending. They really like Styles and Daniels. They held Kazarian's hand up and they... As in like, yeah, you did it. Well done. You got it. And then they all go back into their little corridor. <laughs> and they annihilate each other. That's life, folks. That's wrestling. That's wrestling for sure. I liked it in Daniels' promo... Even in 2003, he said him and AJ have wrestled each other in almost every state. So they've already been wrestling each other for like their entire careers at this stage. Or AJ's at the very least, which I thought was funny. These are our first post-show promos, which is a bit of a PWG trope. AJ's was just essentially saying that Kazarian got lucky. Daniels vowed to win the belt. Frankie Kazarian went full David Starr and just listed off all his nicknames. Yeah. He said, um, they weren't the coolest person tonight. They weren't the PWG champion. The bad mother. One bad SOB Sasho Bananas champion. The king of hip, Frankie Kazarian. And like, he couldn't quite pull it off. Like, he's not that charismatic. So. Especially when he tried Sasho Bananas. Ah, uh, well, lads, I take it 
<laughs> the sweat coming off Daniel's was upsetting. So you're very close he to the got camera. so close to the camera and it was thick sweat. <laughs> just and his facial hair was awful. Oh god. Oh, just that little what looked like a Brazilian wax <laughs> on his face. <laughs> what do you want? Oh. Just make me look like a vagina. <laughs> I thought this, I thought this was a good show. I thought it was probably the best like the the most complete show so far. Top to bottom it felt like a proper indie wrestling show. They have their directions. They've made their championship seem important already. They've gotten behind certain locals, given themselves a little bit of an identity. Main event was really good. The the Briscoes tag was really good. And even though stuff like the Pinoy Boy match was like not in a great place, there was I don't think there was any bad matches per se. I think everything was at least functional. We talked on like the debut show about how like AJ felt like this real pro wrestler, and everyone else kind of felt like an indie and kind of a young boy. The the youngsters they've got behind like Hook are are coming along really fast and, and are already feeling uh, pretty pretty legit. Yeah, like you're, I'm starting to get a lot more vested, I suppose, into the people in PWG, like like X Foundation, like even Taro, who is such a fan favorite. Just seeing like what are they going to do with him? Is he going to become a bigger deal or is he just going to be first match fodder? No, I think the progression's pretty pretty good. I think they've set it up for a Team Cheesemo X Foundation feud now. So I think that would be really good to see if they progress with that and, and how they progress with that because I think match quality wise that could be something we're going to be very, very happy with. I also like this. Not that I'm necessarily looking forward to the match, but that it's Adam Pearce against Kazarian because the past three shows have all been it's either Kazarian, Styles or Daniels. So now I like that the main event scene is moving on and it's actually they're establishing their own main event scene rather than getting TNA guys in to be the stars of the show. And a guy who is definitely a face versus a guy who is definitely a heel helps as well. So that about wraps it up for this month. We'll be back next time with an inch longer than average, which is the show. <laughs> <laughs> as always, you can follow us on Twitter, at Gorilla Island. Uh, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. And you can follow us all individually. I'm at Zig on the Rocks. I'm at The Barry Led. At Sarah Flan. As O underscore Emma G. And we'll catch you next time on Journey Through Grill Island. Bye. Bye. Bye.